Welcome to PedsCast, a podcast brought to you by Children's of Alabama. I'm pediatrician Dr. Corey Cross. Today we'll be discussing the vaccine for the human papillomavirus, also known as the HPV vaccine. We're joined by Dr. Wendy Landier, who is a professor of pediatrics in the Division of Pediatric Hematology Oncology in the School of Medicine at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And she's the deputy director of the Institute for Cancer Outcomes and Survivorship at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Dr. Landier, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So the HPV vaccine is typically given at around 11 or 12 years of age at their yearly checkup. And this is a vaccine series of two or three doses, depending on your age. But the HPV vaccine is interesting because we aren't just vaccinating against HPV or genital warts. We're actually preventing HPV-caused cancers, such as cervical cancer. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about this vaccine and how it works? Sure. So the HPV vaccine was introduced in the United States in 2006. It is a vaccine that can prevent cancers that are caused by the HPV or human papilloma virus. It's recommended for all children beginning at the age of nine and can be given all the way up to age 45. How is it that a vaccine that prevents human papillomavirus actually prevents cancers? Infection with the human papillomavirus can lead to the development of cancers. The human papillomavirus is a very common sexually transmitted infection. In fact, it's the most common sexually transmitted infection in the United States, and 80% of people living in the United States will eventually be infected with the human papillomavirus. Most people can clear infection with that virus and do not go on to develop cancer, but for the unfortunate people that are unable to clear that infection, it can move on and cause a cancer of the cervix, the anus, the penis, or the oral pharynx are the most common sites of HPV-related cancer. How did you decide to start researching the HPV vaccine, and why is it so relevant to your Institute for Cancer Outcomes and Survivorship? So in our Institute for Cancer Outcomes and Survivorship, we are very interested in how cancer survivors can go on to lead healthy and long lives. Childhood cancer survivors in particular have a very high rate of surviving cancer. Currently, the survival rates for childhood cancer at five years are about 85%. So we expect most children diagnosed with cancer today to go on and live long lives, and we want those lives to be healthy. The HPV vaccine can prevent future cancers. And it turns out that childhood cancer survivors are at threefold increased risk for developing HPV-related cancers compared to their peers in the general population. So when the HPV vaccine was released for use in the general population, we wanted to see if that was something that we would be able to harness and use for our childhood cancer survivors. And we decided we would move forward with some studies to help us understand better the use of that vaccine as well as the immunogenicity of that vaccine in our childhood cancer survivor population. That makes perfect sense. And then you said that 
the cancer survivors who go on are at, I believe you said three to five times an increased risk of getting HPV-related cancers later in life. Is that correct? It's a threefold increased risk, yes. Threefold increase. They are at an increased risk of getting any cancer later in life as well, right? There's a, an increased risk if you've had one cancer to have a second, or am I incorrect there? There is definitely some truth to that statement, but not all cancer survivors are at increased risk of second cancers, but many of them are. Some of it has to do with underlying genetics, but some of it also has to do with the treatment that the child has received for their cancer. So for example, children that receive radiation have a higher risk of developing cancers in that radiation field. And children who have received certain chemotherapies have a higher risk of developing certain cancers later on. So it would make sense though that obviously everybody wants to go on and lead a healthy life, that if this is a preventable cancer and prevented so easily with a vaccine, that you would focus on this. You studied the HPV vaccination rates for cancer survivors. What did you find? Yes, so we studied those vaccination rates between the years of 2012 and 2015. So after the vaccine had been available to the general public for several years, And what we found was that the rate of uptake of the HPV vaccine was substantially lower than in the general population. We found that only about 24% of childhood cancer survivors had received the HPV vaccine. Now, is there a reason for that? Are they getting less vaccines in general, or is it specific to this vaccine? That is a really excellent question, and we really wanted to understand better why it was that the uptake in survivors is lower. There are several factors we believe that are related to this problem, but by and large, the biggest factor that we were able to understand was that these survivors were not getting a recommendation from their healthcare providers to get the vaccine. We saw a tenfold increased risk of vaccine non-initiation among survivors who were not receiving recommendations from their healthcare providers to get the HPV vaccine. Is it in part because sometimes while you're going through treatment, the normal childhood protocol of vaccines is sometimes postponed and you don't necessarily have to postpone all of them, but some of them are live and some of them aren't. So sometimes kids get off their regular schedule. Do you think it's part of that? And then when you're playing catch up, this one falls off the radar? Or do you think there's a real reason why this just isn't being recommended? Yes, you make some very good points and it's multifactorial. Childhood cancer survivors Some of them may have been receiving treatment during the time frame when normally children would be getting this vaccine at ages 11 to 12. And so for them, they may just have kind of missed that time point and then they don't, it's not recognized that they need to catch up. When a child has cancer, they very often are followed in their cancer center or in their pediatric hematology oncology center for many years beyond their treatment. And Sometimes the focus of that follow-up care is really on the disease and not so much on preventive care. This happens in other subspecialties as well, where children who have chronic illnesses are followed by subspecialists, and sometimes the primary care that they would normally receive at certain milestone 
birthdays and time points, sometimes that gets overlooked when there's a lot going on with their underlying disease or their follow-up care for that disease. And so we think that has something to do with it. We also think that there's sometimes confusion on the part of the primary care providers as to whether it's okay to go ahead and proceed with vaccination in these children when they do come to primary care practices. That's all understandable. And being a pediatrician, I completely agree with your assessment of probably what's going on. Now, you've recently designed a study that is looking at HPV protect intervention. Can you tell us a little bit about this intervention and sort of where you're going with it? Sure. So the HPV protect intervention really came about as a result of the two studies we had done previously, where we had understood that childhood cancer survivors had a low rate of uptake of the HPV vaccine. And we also did a study in which we tested the HPV vaccine in childhood cancer survivors. So we administered the three-dose series, and we measured the safety and the immunogenicity of the HPV vaccine in those survivors. And what we found was that the safety was similar to the general population, and the immunogenicity was non-inferior, meaning that the survivors mounted a similar immune response as the general population did. And so with the information that we gleaned from those two studies, we moved on to the HPV PROTECT intervention. This intervention is designed for healthcare providers. So our target is really the healthcare providers because we learned from our prior work that the most common reason that survivors do not receive the vaccine is because they have not received a recommendation. So there's really three components to this HPV PROTECT intervention. The first is communication training, and it's all focused on pediatric oncology providers because we know that these survivors come back to the pediatric oncology setting. And so we want to focus on the pediatric oncology providers who are trusted by the families and by the children and have relationships with those children. So we teach them methods of communicating the importance of the HPV vaccine to those families with an emphasis on cancer prevention. We provide them with a toolkit to help facilitate acquisition of the vaccine if they're not able to give it in their clinic where it can be given in the community. So the providers are able then to easily refer their patients to where they can get the vaccine. And then we provide ongoing assessment and peer feedback to the providers to let them know how they're doing. And we do that by monitoring the rate of vaccination in the clinic and feeding that back to them so they know how they are doing with the intervention. That's amazing. As a pediatrician, I would imagine that the clinics that are participating in this trial are probably seeing an uptick, not just in the vaccination rates of the cancer survivors, which is what you're looking at, but my guess is that the training and just the information that you're giving to the clinic and the staff is really being carried through to all of the patients and that there's probably an uptick in in vaccination rates for HPV in general. Well, you're absolutely right. We based this intervention on an intervention that's already being used for general pediatric practices. And so the principles carry through absolutely to all levels of pediatrics. We're just focusing on the pediatric oncology providers, but the benefits are there for all. Absolutely. 
That's wonderful. Now looking ahead, and I don't know if you can answer this or not, but looking ahead, do you anticipate vaccines playing a larger role in cancer survivorship? I think they do. I think what we've learned, especially recently with the COVID-19 pandemic, is that in cancer survivorship, vaccines can be very much at the forefront, that we are really interested in the health of these children and young adults. And as they grow into adulthood and beyond, that the health that they have secured through completing their cancer treatment and being successfully treated for that cancer, that health needs to be protected ongoing throughout their lives. Vaccines are such an incredibly important tool in really helping our survivors to stay healthy across the lifespan. And so, yes, I absolutely agree. They will play an ongoing role in the health of our cancer survivors and We certainly hope in the future there'll be other vaccines to even prevent the original cancers. But currently we have the HPV vaccine, which is a fantastic and very effective way of preventing cancer for our survivors. So our goal is really to make sure that they take advantage of that vaccine that's available to them. Yeah, it really is the gold standard. In summary, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think that in summary, I'd just like to remind everyone that our childhood cancer survivors do have a threefold increased risk of developing HPV-related cancers. We have a very effective vaccine that can be given to prevent them from acquiring the infection that can lead to cancer. So it needs to be given at a time even before they acquire the infection to prevent future cancers. It's safe. Our survivors attain the same level of immunity that their general population peers do. And that provider recommendation is absolutely key to increasing HPV vaccine uptake in the children that have survived cancer. So in this case, really, an ounce of prevention is surely worth even more than a pound of cure. It's so very important for our childhood cancer survivors. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for joining and sharing your expertise with us today. You're so welcome. Thank you for inviting me. For more information or to refer patients to Children's of Alabama, visit childrensal.org. That concludes this episode of Children's of Alabama Pedscast. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for other topics that might be of interest to you. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pete's Cast. I'm your host, Dr. Corey Cross.